Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... They brought God to the people. How? In the teaching of the Word of God. Yet Exodus 19, hundreds of years before Jesus, lived way before Jesus, the Lord envisions a time when all of God's people function as priests, when all of God's people are serving God, when all of God's people are serving one another, when all of God's people are serving the world by bringing the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. Jesus came to earth to show us the ultimate demonstration of love, dying on the cross in our place. He came to give each person that would ever walk on the face of this earth the chance to have their sins forgiven and to live after death with Him in heaven. While we are still here on earth, however, our job is to share that love Jesus gave us with people we meet. Pastor Jim reminds us today that this is what we are called to do as Christians. And it was even discussed well before Jesus even came to earth. We are called to share the love of God with others. With that in mind, here's Pastor Jim in the book of 1 Peter with part one of his message entitled, God's Special People. You know what happens when you meet somebody? Inevitably, somebody breaks out the question, so what do you do? I'm not talking classic New York, so what do you do? I'm just saying, hey, what do you do? And what do you do? I'm told that in the Bible Belt, for years, instead of asking people, what do you do or where do you live, the question, the first question used to be, what church do you go to? Now, around these parts, right, some people still might ask, do you go to church? And then we'll, if we get an affirmative answer, they say yes, we might dig a little deeper and we'll say, well, what church do you go to? And those of you who dig a little deeper... You're nosy. Now, those of you who dig a little deeper, you might say, uh, do you belong to your church? Or are you a member of your church? Or are you involved in your church? And people say that to me all the time. They're like, you're very involved in your church. I'm like, who talks like that? I don't know. <laughs> but maybe we should ask people if they are part of a church. Now, I understand that can have a lot of different meanings, but when I talk about being part of a church, it's not a church, but it's also being part of the church, maybe we want to just reframe that question. And I, it'll seem odd at first, but after you do it a few times, you'll get used to it. We might want to start asking people, are you part of the title of the message, God's Special People? Are you part of God's special people? Here in First Peter, the Apostle Peter Today he's really going to be a good pastor to us. The apostle Peter is writing to a group of churches in the Roman Empire in the area of which we call today Turkey. It's been hard times. The Roman Empire is beginning to, you know, little persecution starting to come their way. And he has laid a foundation for them that when someone puts their trust in Jesus Christ, they receive an inheritance they are part of the inheritance of a child of God. And at the end of chapter 1, 
and now into chapter 2, he's been telling us that an important part of that inheritance is you enter into a family. And that family is called the church. Now, a lot of times we think of the church as a building, but we need to reframe it and think of it as a people. Now, we've said in previous studies that for these people, a lot of the people who were the New Testament, first century church, their Bible was essentially the Old Testament. So there is a lot of things that they are familiar with, which may seem somewhat foreign to us. Now, I applaud those of you who read ahead. You should read ahead every week. By the grace of God, I hope we will accomplish today verses 4 through 10, and then next week, Lord willing, we'll pick up at verse 11. So prepare yourself for the Lord's day by throughout the week reading the passage ahead that is coming. But if you read ahead, you might be confused if you don't know much about the Old Testament because there is a a connection, sometimes Bible scholars call it a continuity, between the temple in the Old Testament, which was sometimes called the house of the Lord, and the church, which we often refer to as the house of the Lord. We've said many times before, because it's in the Bible, that when an individual becomes a committed follower of Jesus Christ, they are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But it's very important to remember that in the Old Testament, their Bible, Jesus' Bible, the temple language is corporate, not like corporate America. It just stresses the fact that the people of God are to be a united people. We call it corporate worship when we come together. We are to be spiritually united. Very rare in an individualistic world. Even more rare in an individualistic society in which we live in. We said last week that that a lot of people today, the fastest growing churches in America, are large, okay, impersonal, serving milk, not meat type churches. And so we want to be careful to listen to what the Bible says, not the ideas of people who just know how to gather a crowd. We left off here in chapter 2, verse 3, where Peter quoted Psalm 34. He says from the Old Testament, If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Now there's an important note we have to make on this quotation and the entirety of what we're going to study today that if we don't understand it, we're going to miss much of what God is trying to say to us. Peter has been talking about Jesus Christ. And then he says to you, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious or the Lord is good. What is he saying? That Jesus Christ is the Lord of the Old Testament. What is he going to tell us today? Jesus Christ is the Lord of the temple. And now he is the Lord of the church. And so he's giving us some snapshots of what the church looks like, of what the people who are part of the church from God's eyes, because we can all just sit in here, right? But people who are really part of the church from God's eyes, vantage point. So if you're taking notes, three things we want to look at today. Number one, the church is a house of building. Notice I didn't say the church is a building. I said it is a house of building where the people of God are the ones being built. Verse 4, he says, 
coming. Now let's just stop there for a second. When we talk about coming to God, we talk about uh, coming initially. We talk about coming continually. In the Old Testament, they would talk about coming to corporate worship, coming to him, who's him, who's he? Jesus, right? That's what we've been talking about. As to a living stone. Now, you'd be like, what does that mean? Well, that would be familiar language to them because they were Old Testament readers. We'll see more about this in a second. We've already seen a living hope. We've already seen a living word. And so now he's saying we're coming to him as to a living stone. Notice this. Rejected indeed by men, but, contrast, chosen by God and precious. And that word precious is in here a few times, and I, that's kind of a hard word for me. And I used to tell my wife she was precious, but I don't anymore. Now you're like, oh, Pastor Jim, that's a bad husband. Here's what happened, man. Lord of the Rings totally ruined it for me. <laughs> because precious. Man, that is creepy to call your wife precious, right? You're like a creeper if you do that. So I'm going to try and go through this. I hope you're, let's valuable, okay? Very valuable, all right? So anyway, all right, come back, everybody. Let's remember this, that Jesus was rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious. So note this, Jesus was rejected by men and chosen by God. Jesus was not allowed to have it both ways. A lot of us struggle with that, don't we? We don't want anybody to reject us in any part of the thing at all, but any way at all, but yet we want to be chosen by God. But if we are followers of Jesus, we're going to have to realize that at times that's going to be our experience. There are sometimes people are just going to think that you are just some whacked out Jesus freak. And the reason for that is because you are a whacked out Jesus freak. And so they're going to reject you for that. Verse 5, you also, talking to them corporately, the people of God, the church, not the building, as living stones. So now Jesus is a living stone and we're living stones. Okay? Now, very interesting. Same word that Jesus used when he spoke to Peter about the building his church on the rock. Same word. Okay, you also, as living stones, are being built up. I think the idea there is gradual. It doesn't happen overnight. I, listen, I hope you are not pleased with your maturity in the Christian walk. I hope that you want to be more mature. That's a natural thing to want to be that way. We are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, language from Exodus 19, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now, in the temple, in the Old Testament, only the priest could come and draw near to God in worship. But now something's changed. Because of the cross and the resurrection, all committed followers, I don't generally use the term Christian because it's just so watered down, true followers of Christ can now come, draw near to God to worship. We come to a living stone. Why would he say it's living? I think probably because Jesus rose from the dead. We'll see in a few minutes that it's referred to in the Old Testament. We just sang about it as a cornerstone. And in the temple, in a building, the cornerstone was the most important stone. We'll think of it in our thinking of as the, the foundation. Everything is built on the foundation. Everything is built out of the foundation. 
and the cornerstone, even the angles were determined by that, must be perfect. Well, was there any perfect living stones wandering the earth? No. So what happened? God had to send a perfect living stone. And so God himself, in his great love, became a man in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And he was that perfect cornerstone. Here's the problem, though. He was just not the kind of Messiah that people wanted. They wanted a guy who was going to come in and trounce Rome. They didn't want a suffering servant. They wanted a guy who was going to give them life the way they wanted. They would say this, you know, Jesus, you're okay, but you are not the type that I want to build my life upon. You are not the kind of savior that I want to build my life around. And so he was rejected. And for the very same reason, that's why many people reject him today. And so Peter comes along and says, here's here's man's big, big problem. We're not the architect of our lives. God is the architect. Jesus Christ was chosen by God. He was the perfect stone. Also, by the way, Peter is telling us, you know, I wonder if maybe that that stuff had started to circulate. This is about 30 years after Jesus has ascended. Oh, aren't you the rock? Well, the rock in the Bible in the Old Testament was often the name of God. Peter's like, I'm not the rock, I'm the pebble. (laughs) I'm just another living stone. God's not building the church around me. Now, it's amazing to me that the Holy Spirit would call us living stones. I don't know about you, but I always get a little nervous with myself when God refers to something about Jesus and then saying something about me in the same sentence. I don't I just get that way. I'm like, all right, check me out. And God's like, you're full of pride. Shut up, Jim. Okay, so, so we have to be really, really take this and understand that we are living stones because of Christ. We're being built into a spiritual house. In other words, we have become the place where God dwells and the church is now the place where God meets the people of God. We talked about this last week that the house was built because of the work of God on worship and sacrifice, love for one another, and nourishment in the word of God. And we were challenged last week, just how hungry are we for the word of God? So were you hungry this week? You don't need to answer that question. I know you're all church people, like, of course we were, Pastor Jim. All right, we'll see, right? We'll see, but we are to be hungry. But here's what's something important for us to see. Notice he tells us that all believers are these living stones. Let me tell you something, man, that a lot of people don't understand. Every single person who's put their trust in Jesus is an important part of the church. How dumb does it look like if you just picture a stone building and also there's like one whole section that has no, it's just gone. That's what sometimes I think our churches look like. And we don't realize why we're important. Christian, you were bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. Remember we covered that? You weren't born with gold or silver. That's the stuff that the poor people trade with in heaven. We were bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. And because of what we call in theological terms our union with Jesus, because of his work, which is him becoming a man, living a perfect life in our place, dying on the cross in our place for our sins, rising from the dead, ascended to heaven, seated at the right hand of God, and he's going to return. That's his work. Because of his work and our response of faith, he tells us here that the true church, the true people of God, is a holy priesthood. So, what was the priest's job in the Old Testament? Well, basically, they brought the people to God. How did they do it? In sacrifices and worship. And what did they also do? They brought God 
to the people. How? In the teaching of the word of God. Yet Exodus 19, hundreds of years before Jesus, lived way before Jesus, the Lord envisions a time when all of God's people function as priests. When all of God's people are serving God. When all of God's people are serving one another. When all of God's people are serving the world by bringing the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. Now, this is a New Testament doctrine that is referred to as the priesthood of believers or the priesthood of all believers. And it simply means this, that all followers of Jesus Christ are priests with special access to God. Now, I'm going to say something that's probably not going to please a lot of people in the audience, but that's okay. What are you going to do? To continue the Old Testament priesthood by making sacrifices to God, per se, on an altar in some organized religion sense is to continue something that our great high priest abolished. He abolished all that stuff. He said, no, 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 there's no more of that anymore. Right? That's why I don't say I'm a priest. I'm a pastor. I have a role here to help engage in the shepherding of God's people. My primary role here is in the teaching of God's word. But we are all priests. We are all, we are all part of it. And Peter wants us to see this is a high calling for all of the people of God. And it's a very different calling because it was limited to who could become a priest before. But now that offer is made to everyone. And until you realize, loved ones, this high calling that you have in your life, the application section, which is coming after this section, is, and how to live the Christian life is going to be nearly impossible for you. Because you will not have the motivation of grace to live for God who has called you to this high place of honor. So he's telling the congregation, come, build yourselves up as the people of God. That's why our goal here from Colossians 1 is to help people become committed followers of Jesus Christ. I, it's my hope that everything we do here comes out of that, right? As God builds us, we build each other, and God builds us, and we offer spiritual sacrifices. So now you say, what in the world kind of spiritual sacrifice are we supposed to offer? Well, in Romans 12, the Apostle Paul said that we are to be living sacrifices. You're just like, what, what, what does that mean? Basically, we are to try our best, with God's help, to live out the things that the Bible tells us to do. But there are no spiritual sacrifices for sin. Why? That has been done, the Bible tells us, once for all on the cross of Calvary by Jesus Christ. So we are to be a people who are engaged as a house of building where we are building one another up, but we are also building together into the spiritual house, the temple, if you will, the church of Jesus Christ. Number two, the church is a house of believing. The church is a house of believing. I just want to take a moment real quickly 
to just say that if you're here today and you don't believe, you are most welcome in this place. There have been so many people, sometimes I think it's most of the people that go here, that have come into this place and they would not classify themselves a follower of Jesus Christ. A lot of people said, I thought I was one when I came here and then I realized that I wasn't one when I came here. You are most welcome. Your questions, your doubts, your objections, whatever it is, your beef, whatever, whatever you got, you are welcome. It's important that you remember that the church is not a building. The church is the people of God. And so Peter's now, when he's talking about it's a church is the people of God who believe, he's going to use an Old Testament, some scriptures to illustrate that. Verse 6. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture. And so he's saying it's already in the Bible. It was already there. And he's going to start to quote and to allude to some Old Testament references. First one he's going to do is Isaiah 28, 16. So what is the context? Let's go back to the context of Isaiah 28. The people of God were completely being disobedient to God. I know you're surprised by that. People actually, God says, do this, and they do the opposite. I always think it would be so much better if God just told us the opposite of what he wanted, and then we would just do what he said, right? We'd do the opposite of what he said, and we'd be doing it the right way. But that's not the way he works. So in their disobedience, the Lord says, I want you to trust me. And you know what they did? They went out and formed alliances with other nations. Basically, they said this to God, we understand you want us to trust you, but we can't see you. We can see these other nations, so we've went out and we have made other arrangements, right? And so the Lord comes along and basically says to them, oh, you have a new security system, it's not me, right? And they're like, yes, and God's like, well, let's test it. Let's see how it works. And it didn't work very well. See, what they were trusting in was not going to work in the end. So he says it's contained in the scripture. He quotes Isaiah 28, 16, where Isaiah said, God says, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, some versions say chosen, precious, and he who believes on him, or he who trusts in him, friend, if you're not Christian, you're not a follower of Jesus, that can be you today, will be by no means put to shame. So when the enemy would come in and they would conquer the people, they would what? Put them to shame. And so they are trusting in other things other than the Lord. The Bible calls that what, do you know? Unbelief. And eventually they would be, by trusting in other things other than the Lord, my portfolio, my retirement plan, a person or anything other than the Lord, okay, politicians, eventually they would be conquered by their enemies. And what is the great enemy? Anybody know? Death. Eventually they will be conquered by death. And in fact, it says in Isaiah that they made a pact with death, like they thought they were going to escape it. So the apostle is reminding the people of God that these people were judged for their unbelief. But those who put their trust in Jesus will not be put to shame. They will be saved by grace through faith from the greatest enemy of death. Instead of judgment, they will have the approval of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And here is an important thing to remember. That stone is not going away. That rock is not going away. So that means that the most important decision of your life is whether you put your trust in Jesus Christ or not the single most important decision by far in your life.
Verse 7, therefore, to you who believe, he is precious. Now, some translators or some scholars think that that's not a good translation. It's actually better to say that honor will come to you who believe. But to those who are disobedient, some versions say who do not believe, and then he quotes hundreds of years earlier, Psalm 118.22. Jesus used this verse in the parable of the wicked vine dressers. If you don't know that one, I don't have time to go into it. We did it when we did our study in the Gospel of Mark. Man, I mean, Jesus just breaks it out on these guys. And, you know, he's like, well, you know, God says I'm going to send people to give them the message, and they killed them. I'll send my son, and they killed him too. And so here it is, Psalm 118.22, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Now interesting, the context of that is there was a battle, and the king won the battle, and when he came back after it, after winning the battle, the people said, we don't want to follow you. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us on today's edition of Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Would you like to hear this message again? Simply log on to our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. There you can listen to archive broadcasts, load our mobile app, as well as listen to Pastor Jim's easy-to-follow verse-by-verse teaching on much of the Bible. You can also request a CD of this message in its original, unedited form on our website. If you would prefer to write to us, our address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. That's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Or you can give us a call at 973-659-3380. Once again, that's 973-659-3380. Changed by Love is sponsored by listeners like you. We are so thankful for your continued support and prayers that allow us to bring our show to you on this station. Make sure you tell your friends and family about Changed by Love on this station, as well as how to listen to Pastor Jim on our website and mobile app. In the next edition of Changed by Love, Pastor Jim will continue teaching through the book of 1 Peter. Glance at the clock right now, and please make plans to join us next time to be encouraged, comforted, and challenged by the Word of God. You are all a blessing to us. We hope to see you next time here on Changed by Love.